Jesus' name. Amen. The story has been told in this church of a single mum whose husband had left her for another woman. And now it was just her and her five kids under the age of 13. She had met her husband shortly after arriving on the shores of Australia from Europe. And after a whirlwind romance, they were married, but things quickly turned sour. She discovered the man of her dreams was actually a nightmare. He gambled and womanized with the best of them. And when she confronted him on it, she would usually end up badly beaten and occasionally hospitalized. So in that situation, she decided to make the best of a bad situation because that's just what you did as a good Catholic woman. When he finally walked out of her life, she had no idea what she was going to do. She could barely speak English, and with limited government support, she had to raise five children and their German shepherd on their own. It was at that point that someone knocked on her door and introduced her to Jesus. Her life was transformed. She discovered her true identity. She discovered her real value and her purpose in life in a relationship with Jesus. She was no longer the victim, but she had discovered that she was now a child of God. Her, her purpose now was to know Jesus and to help her children know him as well. 48 years later, I stand here as the fruit of that relationship she had with Jesus. And my brothers and sisters are walking with God as well. Often people ask her, how did you do it? All on your own, how did you do, how did you manage to do it? And if you know Nonna, you know, she says in her own unique way, I have Jesus, that's all I need, nothing more. And as a child, I can account for that. Everything in my mum's life revolved around Jesus. And the place where it resonated most was in her prayer life. If you lived in our family home, every morning you knew my mum would get, after she got us all ready for school, she'd get into a bedroom, she'd get on her knees beside her bed and begin to pray. If you happened to leave late for school, you were running late, and you, you thought, oh, just go say goodbye to mum, and you, you'd go, no, I can't say goodbye to mum. Because you could hear her from anywhere in the house, she was praying. She was seeking God. She was on her knees praying for her family, praying, God, keep them. God, save them. God, move in their lives. God, do what only you can do. I can remember the prayers very clearly. When she was in that zone, there was no interrupting her. And I know my, my brothers and sisters and I, and now even her grandchildren, are very aware we are here because of the prayer life of our mama and nonna, Maria. No doubt about it. If there's one main lesson I, I've learned from my mum is that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. The reality is a single mum with five kids 
the reality of that situation. I've worked in community services for a long time, and I know I've met many, many families in the same situation. And many of the children and even the parent are statistics of, of our society, whether it be addictions or even crime or all sorts of things. I have, we have them in our own family, our extended family. But because of my mum's prayer life, our family stands here living for God and living without all, those, all that luggage. You see, a strong, healthy prayer life is essential if we're going to flourish where God wants us to flourish. The truth is my mum is not the only role model we have when it comes to prayer. Jesus himself showed us so clearly how important prayer was. Isn't that right? I want to just read for you some examples of this from the Word of God. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5.15-17, it says, Yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. John 17:1, and after this Jesus said, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, "Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you." And then in Luke 6:12, it says, "One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, spent the whole night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. I could share with you even more scriptures where Jesus prayed and, and uh, his prayer life was such a significant part of his life here on earth. If you wanted to describe it in some way, it was the cornerstone of his life. His prayer life was the fuel of his relationship with God the Father. And if Jesus is saying anything to us or modeling anything to us, he is saying that it doesn't matter who you are, prayer is essential for your survival. Prayer is critical for you to flourish and to grow in the things of God. To put it simply, if Jesus, the Son of God, needed to pray, then it makes sense that you and I need to pray even more, wouldn't you say? You know, we've talked a lot lately about our church going into a new season. We talked about at the devotion service or devoted service in May, how I really felt God speak to me that it was not a season to withdraw like winter often is, but it's a season to keep pressing in. And, uh, and I've been reminded even just recently when, um, when Julie and I went to Melbourne, we went along to a church service and there was a guy speaking there, uh, a prophet from America, who spoke a word of, of knowledge over our life, a word of prophecy over our life. And it was amazing what he was saying in that he was speaking over us and he was saying he didn't even know who we were. And uh, he, he asked me, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, okay. And then he started to pray 
and he said, I, I see over your church a new season coming, a new season of blessing, and a, a new season like you've never seen before, where you're going to see growth like you've never seen before, God's blessing like you've never seen before in the next three years. He didn't know that God had spoken to me just a month earlier to, that God was bringing us into a new season. But he said something really interesting in that prophetic word. He doesn't know the history of this church or the history of Lefebvre Baptist Church. But he said, I see saints some 45 or more years ago. And the prayers that they prayed 45 odd years ago are going to come to pass in the next three years. He didn't know the history. He doesn't know what's happened here. He doesn't know any of that. But he said, I, I know there's been people praying up to 45 years ago, people that have died, knowing that, not knowing that Joyce, the final member, original member of Lefebvre Baptist, died this year, and that their prayers, they would see the answers to their prayers in the next coming time. You know, the amazing thing about that is the one thing I know really clearly is it's great to get those sort of words of encouragement and confirmation. But the fact is they are only the beginning of what God is doing. You see, the Bible says faith without works is dead. You may receive a word of faith and go, yes, I agree with that. I believe that God's going to do great things in the next three years. But if all I do is sit on my hands, guess what? It's not going to happen. And that's why I, I think prayer is so critical, because prayer is action to our faith. When we come to God in prayer and say, God, we want to see this happen. We, we know that this will only happen if you do it. And we just want to put ourselves in the position where you can do what only you can do. And we understand that we need you to move in our, in our community. We need you to move in our church. We need you to move in our lives. You see, prayer is the action to our faith. God said to me just recently as I was praying, he said, I've given you a good vision and a good strategy for the church and it's, it, it will work. It's great. But the, the foundation or the, the platform that that strategy should be built on needs to be prayer. It needs to be prayer. It can't, it can't be built on just works and, and hard work and trying to do stuff, it needs to be built on the foundation of prayer. That's the thing that will make it a reality in your lives. I was reminded as well, again, before we planted the Port Church, God gave me a dream. It's a really interesting dream. I won't go into the whole uh, detail of it, but the end of the dream involved me praying for someone who was obviously oppressed uh, and, and, and bound by stuff. And as I was praying for them, nothing was happening. And I was going, God, what's going on? And God spoke to me that word that this kind can't be dealt with other than by prayer and fasting. And, and in that moment, it was an understanding that as a church, the church that we were planting needed to be built on the foundation of prayer. It needs to be established on the basis of prayer. Because if we want to see lives touched and transformed and, and, and changed like my mum's life, prayer is essential. Prayer is critical. 
So what is prayer? Well, I'm not going to give a big exhaustive teaching on what prayer is, but I'll simply say this. Prayer is simply the communication part of our relationship with God. Now, in natural terms, we know communication is essential to keep our natural relationships healthy. Scientists have told us that. There's an amazing study done on, if you remember back in the 80s, after the Romanian communist regime fell, they found all these orphanages with children that had just been abandoned. And these children were abandoned by their parents and they were looked after by the state, but they were just put in cots and they were left without any physical touch or communication. They were just fed and just kept alive. And all those children were um, not thriving at all. They were small. They were on the lowest possible percentile, even going backwards in their health. They were unhealthy because there was no affection. There was no communication. There was no touch. So if that's what it's like physically, I also understand that in the spiritual, we need to communicate. We need to communicate with God. We need to pray to keep our spiritual walk with God, our spiritual relationship, our spiritual lives healthy. If we're not connected to God, and if we're not connecting with God and communicating with Him, then we're going to struggle. We're going to find it hard. And prayer is the gift that God has given us, the ability to connect with Him, to talk to Him and to come to Him at any time. What Jesus did on the cross meant that we have open access to the Father at any time. We don't have to go through rituals and sacrifices and all of that sort of stuff. We can come to the Father at any time through prayer. There's lots of different ways you can pray, obviously. There's various ways. You talk about intercession and spiritual warfare and, and just talking and all of that stuff. And they're all, it's all good. There's none that are more important than any other. And sometimes you have to learn your own natural rhythm when it comes to prayer. That what works for you, because what works for me might not work for someone else. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is, are we connecting with God? Are we taking time to pray? Are we taking time to, to spend time in His presence and hear from Him and allow Him to speak into our lives as well as us talking to Him? So tonight I just want to share with you very simply three things on how we should pray. The first one the Bible tells us is that we should pray continuously. You think, that's a bit weird. What are you talking about? Well, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray without ceasing. And then in Ephesians 6.18, it says, pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. So that, does that mean we walk around everywhere just praying, oh, God, be with me where I'm going? Hi, Julie, how are you going? Oh, I really need you, God. Come on, God, help me. No, we don't do that. That's, that would be silly. Or do we walk along and then the bell rings at a certain time and we go, okay, it's 12 o'clock, I need to stop at the corner of the street and start praying. Jesus talked about people like that and told, don't be stupid, he basically said. <laughs> it's not a good idea. But the idea in this is that what it's talking about when he talks about us praying continuously is to be continuously aware that God is with us, that we can converse with God all the time, wherever we are and whatever we are doing. You see, 
it would be silly if all we did was pray when we came to church on Sundays. Who knows that a relationship like that would not thrive and grow if all you did was pray when you came to church on a Sunday. No, we need to be praying all the time. We need to be praying continuously, always aware that God is around us. Praying without ceasing tells us you can converse with God no matter what you're doing. In your head, you can be praying to God while you're shopping, while you're at work, while you're driving the car. You can be praying to God. Brother Lawrence, an 18th century monk, wrote the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. It's a great book. It's a classic. If you want to read it, go to Kurong and pick it up because it's worth reading. But in it, he says, the key to friendship with God is not changing what you do, but, your, but changing your attitude toward what you, do, what you do. What you would normally do for yourself, you begin doing for God whether it is eating or bathing or working, relaxing or taking out the rubbish. simple way I can describe that is that I'm married to Julie and I, I wear a ring on my finger. And as a married man, I live differently to my son Jack, who's a single man. He's looking, but he's single. <laughs> he is available. But when he talks to girls, he may talk with other Ulterior motives. He might have in, but when I talk to people of the opposite sex, I talk to them differently because I am married. I don't flirt or things like that. I talk to them like a married man. So the same goes in our Christian life. So if I say I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, then the way I live my life is not like an unbeliever, or someone who doesn't know Jesus, the way I live my life is as a Christian. Do I live my life to serve others, to love people, to forgive when people do the wrong thing by me? That's praying without ceasing. That's praying continuously, allowing your life to be a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord, that it would be a blessing to him. The other, another way that the Bible teaches us to pray is with one-on-one -on -one time. Jesus' life was a powerful example of that. As we read in Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Without anyone else, just him and God. That's a really important part of developing healthy relationships, that, it, that we need to spend time with that person one-on-one -on -one if we really want to get to know them. There's something that happens when you are alone with someone, where you can sit down and talk and hear their story and then tell you their story and tell you where they're at. And it's an amazing exchange that goes on, isn't there? Where you really get to know someone. You know, we hear the the testimonies from the women's retreat last week where people got to know each other when they went back to their rooms and just had time alone together. They really got to know who people were and find out their, their fears and their worries and their, their joys and their, their ama the amazing things that had happened in their life. And it built each other's faith. And the same goes in our relationship with God. Time alone with God energizes us. 
And it's that opportunity for exchange. I've shared this at church just recently. I got to go on a pastor's retreat. And I was reminded of so much of how much one-on-one, how much or how important one-on-one time is with God. In, at that retreat, we did numbers of things in the morning and the night. But in the afternoon, they gave us three hours to spend time with God. Sometimes I slept a little bit in those three hours. But, but I was praying in my sleep with my eyes shut. But the majority of the time, it was an amazing moment where, or long moment, and I don't say you have to do that every day. That was just a, a, a special occasion. But the time of just spending time with God, I was reminded of how refreshing and energizing that is. To just wait on Him and to allow Him to speak into your life. And to have that divine exchange between you and him. It's, uh, it's that great time. But as I often say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So if you're going to do this, you have to plan it into your life. And the, the hard thing about this, and I'll, I have to say it because it's, it's the way it is, But to do it, it will require you to sacrifice something. It's going to cost you something to spend one-on-one time with God. It's a reality of what it is. It may cost you a bit of sleep time, maybe setting your alarm half an hour earlier in the morning to say, I'm going to spend the first half hour of my day with God. It may mean switching the TV off earlier at night and saying, I'm going to switch the TV off at 8.30 so I can spend the last hour of my day with God and in his word or however you want to do it, praying and seeking him and finding his will for your life. However it is, it will cost you something. Maybe for some of us it will cost us our favourite TV show or it will cost us, dare I say, men, the footy. At the moment, you don't want to watch the footy. It's pretty terrible, whatever Adelaide team you follow. So it's probably not going to cost you that much. But truthfully, though, the reality of one-on-one time is it does, does cost you something. And I guess the question has to be asked, how much do you really value your relationship with God? Because if you really do value your relationship with God, are you willing to pay the price to have that relationship with God flourish and grow to what it should be? The last thing or the last way we should pray is corporately. The powerful scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14, we've heard it many times. But it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray... And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. What an amazing promise. If we would humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, what's God's promise? He will forgive us our sins and heal our land. The amazing thing is when we pray together like this in one accord and with one mind and one heart 
The Bible teaches us that anything is possible. Who would say our land needs healing today? Even in just our direct community where we live here in the Lefeva Peninsula, our land needs healing. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are broken. There are people that are struggling with all sorts of family dysfunction and generational problems that have gone on from one generation to another, on and on, all sorts of trauma. Places like Taparu and Osborne are in the top 10 of the world of Australia's most disadvantaged suburbs from the last census. Who knows that if my people will seek myself and pray, seek my face and pray, I will hear them and I will heal their land. Church, if we pray together, the potential is enormous. The possibility for healing of our community and our lives is possible. It's what we saw in the early church in Acts. They were a church that gathered together and prayed regularly. And who knows that the early church, history tells us, changed the world we live in today. Who knows, by us standing together as a church and committing to praying together, anything is possible. We can see our community healed. We can see lives transformed. We can see the impossible become possible. Church, we need to understand that time spent with God in prayer has the potential to change our lives, but it most importantly has the potential to change the world that we live in. Prayer causes the impossible to be possible. This might sound strange, but I can confidently say that I don't believe Jesus would have been able to do the miracles that he did if he didn't pray the way that he did. You see, Jesus wasn't surprised by people's needs. His prayer time with the Father was the time to get himself ready for when the opportunities came about. So his consistent, strategic, deliberate time of going away and to a solitary place to pray was what energized him to help someone when they were coming to him with a miracle that they needed. So when he encountered the cripple, he wasn't just going, oh, that surprises me. I really feel sorry for you. I'm just going to put up a prayer to God in hope and desperation that he might heal you. No, when he met a cripple and said, you know, stand up and walk or whatever he would say to them, he did it from the knowledge and the foundation of the prayers that he had prayed with the Father over and over and over again, day in, day out seeking the Lord. It wasn't something that just happened by coincidence. It was built on the foundation of his prayer life. And this is the thing that I really want to get across tonight. I'm not preaching an exhaustive sermon on prayer. Hopefully over the next little while you'll get more sermons on prayer. But the main point I want to get across to us tonight is that without strategic, regular, deliberate effort, 
to make prayer a priority in our lives, we will never see God's full potential realized in our lives or in our community. It's the one thing I know as I shared my mum's story. She would get on her knees daily to pray and seek God for her family. And we, are, we stand here as a testimony to that prayer. That prayer changed things. I, I can tell you stories throughout my life where I remember at one stage I went from year eight to year nine and I was starting to mix with some kids that weren't great kids to mix with. And uh, they're getting into a bit of trouble and into a bit of strife. And I, I remember one day I just happened to decide to stay home from school. I felt a bit sick and my mum never usually let me stay home from school, but she let me this day. She had mercy on me. Okay, you can stay home. That day at my school, those guys that I was hanging around with decided to go into the ag shed where there was a whole lot of baby chickens and decided to play football with the baby chickens. They all got expelled. If I was at school that day, I would have been there with them. Who knows where that would have led me. But for some reason, some would say coincidence, but I know a praying mother that for some reason I wasn't at school that day. Because God honoured the prayers of a prayerful mother. Church, it's our time to realise that we need to pray. Many men and women of faith declare how important prayer is to their walk with God. And I want to share with you some of them today. Dick Eastman, a famous Christian author on prayer, says, Prayer is the highest order of business. For it links a powerless human to the creative force of God's sovereign power. When Christians cease to pray, no matter the reasons, Christians backslide, youth rebel, preachers leave pulpits, mission fields close, and denominations die. The author C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, famous uh, Christian apologist, (coughs) wrote a really interesting book called The Screwtape Letters. I'm giving you books to read at the moment. If you haven't read the Screwtape Letters, go and find it on Kurong. It's worth a read. It's actually a really interesting story because he tells uh, the the conversion story of a an unbeliever to faith through the eyes of the demons that were given watch over him. And so the chief demon is giving advice to the junior demon on what he should do to make sure this person doesn't become a Christian. Really interesting read. It's worth a read. But in part of it, the advice from the chief demon to the junior demon says this, interfere at any price in any fashion when people start to pray. For real prayer is lethal to our cause. Isn't that the truth? Who knows that when you go to pray or you, you determine that I'm going to pray, that all of a sudden the kids start crying. Or something happens that distracts you from prayer. And you know that because the enemy knows prayer is powerful, that prayer changes things. And so they'll do anything in their power to stop us praying. Martin Luther, the founder of the Lutheran Church and the Protestant Church, says it is a good thing to let prayer be the first business in the morning and the last in the evening. 
guard yourself against such false and deceitful thoughts that keep whispering, wait a while, in an hour or so, I will pray. I must first finish this or that. Thinking such thoughts, we get away from prayer into other things that will hold us and involve us till the prayer of the day comes to naught. J.C. Ryle, another famous Christian preacher, said this powerful phrase, I have read the lives of many eminent Christians who have been on earth since Bible days. Some of them I see were rich and some were poor. Some were learned and some unlearned. Some of them were Episcopalians and some were Christians of other denominations. Some were Calvinists and some were Armenians. But one thing I see they all had in common. They all have been men and women of prayer. Prayer prayer should be, just like it was for Jesus, should be the cornerstone of our relationship with God. Because without prayer, our relationship with God is going to struggle. It's going gonna, it's gonna to not grow to be what the potential it has to be. So just this week at our church leadership meeting, we talked about this subject of prayer. We talked about the fact that as a church coming into this new season where God is doing great things in our church, that we can't take it for granted, but we must, rather than just take prayer for granted, we must up the ante and, and focus on prayer in a greater way because prayer is the thing that will, will do what only God can do. It would be the, the fuel or the spark that ignites the things that only God can change and turn around. And so as a church, we've developed a prayer strategy for the next little while. And this is not once and, uh, and all, and we're not going to change it. This is a growing, developing thing. But as we talked about corporate prayer, I want to invite you to come with us on this journey to pray and to believe God, to see God do things in your life as well in the lives of people around you. So as a, prayer, as a church, we're going to dedicate six weeks Starting on the 28th of July, which is next Sunday, we're going to dedicate the following six weeks to prayer and fasting. Fasting is a part of prayer. Now, I'm not asking you to fast necessarily, but I would ask you to consider it in some way. But we are going to dedicate the next six weeks to prayer in lots of different ways. So one of the uh, things that we're going to do is we're going to start on the 31st of July, on the Wednesday morning, for six weeks we're going to start an early morning prayer meeting, 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. We're going to open the church doors, and you're welcome to come in here and pray with us and to pray and believe God for maybe needs in your own life, but also needs in our community, needs in our church, and needs in the broader community. So that will be happening. We'll also be creating a prayer wall where we'll have some prayer request slips that you can fill out different things that you need prayer for or as well as things in our community and so forth. And it's going to be over here on the, on the wall next to the baptism pool. And uh, you can put your prayer request up there. And When we have these prayer meetings, people will take them and, and start praying for them and believing God to move in them and, and to transform things in, in your life 
and, and just that sense of involving God in everything we do. So this is the idea is that um, for six weeks we'll be doing this. Now, I don't know if you understand the, the importance of the six-week sort of thing, but Jesus, before he went into his ministry, prayed and fasted for 40 days, which is about six weeks, give or take a day or two. Um, so that's what Jesus did to enter into his full potential. And we want to believe that as we do this as a church, that we might enter into our full potential. That even as you talk to psychologists and um, social workers and people like that, they talk about the fact that it takes six weeks to break an addiction. And to be like, if you can stay free for six weeks, you're well and truly on your way to staying free for good. Um, so it's that, that power of the 40-day cycle to do it. And so we're going to do that for six weeks. And then at the end of the six weeks, this is really exciting, uh, one of the uh, guys came up with this idea, said, why don't we do 24 hours of continuous prayer here at the church? Uh, as David Burford said to me, a prayer-a-thon. It's uh, where we um, roster, create a roster starting on the 6th of September at 5 p.m., going through to Saturday, the 7th of September at 5 p.m., the hour and half-hour blocks where you can put your name down and say, I'm going to commit myself to coming here to church, not doing it at home, but coming here to church and praying for the different needs and requests and things that are going on. And so for 24 hours, there'll be someone praying here at the church. Who thinks that's a good idea? Who's volunteering for four in the morning? <laughs> four in the morning. We need people to be praying at four in the morning. Jack's up. Awesome. Steve's up at four. He'll be in. That's it. On your Roy, four o'clock. That's what we want. But that's the idea. We don't mind if it's two or three or ten, whatever it is for those moments. That there, but for every minute, an hour of that 24 hours, there's someone here at church praying and believing and, and believing God to do great things in our midst. And then at the end of that, at 5 p.m., we're going to finish with a big barbecue where we're just going to enjoy and have a celebration and uh, get together and in, have a feed for those who are fasting, now I've talked about, I haven't talked about fasting a lot, but fasting is that time when you make a sacrifice um, and you sacrifice something to spend time with God. And usually it's food. Usually you sacrifice a meal a day or, or you know, in Jesus' case, he sacrificed food for 40 days. I'm not going to be recommending that for anyone. Um, but you might want to do it for a few days over this six-week period. Or you may, may decide... It's the idea of sacrificing something to spend time with God. So as I said earlier, maybe you'll sacrifice your TV show. All the home and away fans might decide, I'm not going to watch home and away for six weeks. But in that half an hour, you're having a heart attack, Crystal. You think, all right? You're doing okay? You started to get all sweaty. and It's only a thought. I'm only throwing it out there. Um, but uh, you might say, I'm going to say, and I'm, in that half an hour, I'm going to spend praying and, and seeking God. Or you, it might be for the men, footy, women footy as well. Some women are duty, footy, sacrifice the footy. Who knows? But actually laying aside something, and it can be food. I'm personally, I, just so you know, I'm going to go on what you call a Daniel fast. So for uh, 
six weeks, I'm just going to be eating fruit and vegetables and juices and things like that. I'm not going to be eating any meats or any delicacies or sweets or anything like that. I'm just going to be um, eating, uh, like Daniel did, just fruit and vegetable. So you might want to look at that. If you are thinking of food fast and you've got any health issues, please make sure you consult your doctor first because there are, obviously, you need to make sure you get the nourishment that you require. But the other option is, and this, I talked to one lady this morning and she had decided that she's going to fast social media. And she was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I feel like I really need to do it. That's not a, and that wasn't a young person. That was someone who's a little bit older. But uh, social media is a, a real hold on people. And it, if you have that thing where it tells you how much screen time you use, you might go, oh, maybe I can spend some of that screen time actually praying rather than just looking at my phone. Or maybe it's your PS4 or your Xbox or something like that. Who knows what it is? But it's that idea that for the next six weeks as a church, we will gather together and make a commitment to sacrificing something for God, to spend time with Him in prayer. And then at the end of this time, you know, hopefully in that last hour on Saturday the 7th from 4 to 5, all of us will, as many of us that can, will gather together to pray for that last hour and believe for that breakthrough that we're believing God to bring. Because I believe in this six weeks, God is going to speak to us. God is going to birth thoughts and ideas and, and, and miracles. He's going to do amazing things. But most importantly, He's going to cause us to grow and to become all that He has called us to become. And that as we stand together and make this commitment, that we would see God's will done here on this peninsula like never before. That's our prayer because at the end of the day, as I said at the start, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. As I said, I stand here as a testimony to that. And I know that God is not finished with this church and what he has called us to do as a church. And that we need to gather together and make a fresh commitment to make prayer a priority in our lives. Why don't you all stand with me? Yet Devoted will be on as normal in that time, every four weeks, um, on the uh, Thursday night as it is on the calendar. But that's as well a very important time. But I want to invite you to just pray. And I, as you can see by this, we're, we're launching this next Sunday. So I didn't want to say, come here this Sunday and say, we're going to do this for the next six weeks. I want to give you time to go away and actually seek God and pray and ask God for direction in, uh, in what he's, he wants you to do. And uh, I want to encourage you to do that because I really believe this is a critical time for us. And just before we pray, I'll just get David Burford up for a sec. Just in the prayer meeting before, David shared an amazing testimony in relation to prayer. And I'll just share what you shared just before, just quickly. Yeah. Um, one thing that's, um, that's, that's really bad is broken families and also unforgiveness. I went through a, probably about a five-year period in my life where I had nothing to do with my mother. Um, there was a major fallout. It happens in families all the time, all too often. 
Um, at the beginning of last year, I decided to reconnect with my mother again, and it's taken probably a year and a half of persisting and praying over the situation for our relationship not to be so icy cold. I visited her today in the nursing home and she was actually happy to see me. And that's nothing, that's nothing short of a miracle. Miracles happen in this church. We just need to open up our prayer life. We need to be persistently praying as well and, things will, and that breakthrough will happen. It's not always on the, the, the timetable that you want, but it's God's timetable and things will happen in accordance to God's plan. Amen. I know I've been talking to David through that whole process and the times he'd go visit his mum and he'd be heartbroken because she didn't really want to see him and or there was no connection there. For him to say that today when he went, it's a miracle. It's amazing to see what God's doing. And he's been praying for that for a long time. So let's pray, church. I'm going to close in prayer, but in this, I want you to consider what we've been talking about, what I've been sharing, and how you can be involved in this next season of prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word.